So today, what I want to talk to you about is the wellspring of life. I want to come at you from a little different angle of a very common verse. And um, I, I just, I know that the Lord wants to take these concepts and ideas and stir them within us. And I've had, I've had a little bit of a hectic weekend myself. How about you? I've, I've been talking with a number of people that have had so many battles going on over the past few weeks. I want to speak to that today because many times a battle is taking place in the spirit realm when God is wanting to bring and give birth to something that he's about to bring to pass. So can I just encourage you, if it's been a little difficult lately, why don't you just come into an absolute expectation that God is about to cause some things to break in your life, in your family, in your home, in your finances, in your health, in your community, in our church, in every way, in Jesus' name. But we have to come back to His Word and allow His Word to awaken something within us. And so I'm going to share some things with you. A few people are going to bring different elements of prayer, things we're sensing the Lord is speaking in this season. But I want to encourage you, go to the website uh, and look at our blog, because there are things in the blog that aren't necessarily in the message. And if you go to destinychristian.com and you just click on Messages, that's where you'll find the blog, and there are discussion questions there. So one of the discussion questions that I would recommend today, just for you to sit around the table with your family, with friends, you just kind of get the ideas we're going to talk about deeper in your soul through a conversation element. And the question is simply this, think of a time, and I want you to ponder this, think of a time when your heart seemed to take control of your life and something wonderful resulted. I mean, you know, your heart is very powerful. Your heart is very powerful. And if we get the right things in our heart, wonderful things break forth powerfully in our world. And so that's where I want us to go today in regard to the wellspring of life. Uh, if your heart takes control of your life and there are good things in your heart, then it will awaken things of the Spirit in your world. And I want us to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You'll see that on your uh, paper at the top, above all else. That's pretty important. Above all else. In other words, the Bible is saying one of the most important things I can tell you is to guard your heart. Guard your heart. And then we need to understand the context of what's being said. For it is the wellspring of life. So I do understand the question and, and kind of what I started with. Think of a time when your heart seemed to take control and something wonderful resulted. How many of you know it's pretty easy to think of a time when your heart took control and something not wonderful resulted? Uh, and so it's important that we guard our hearts. It's important that we protect the input of our lives. But I want you to think about this because the context of this is about it being a wellspring of life. And to be honest with you, I've heard most messages about this topic, uh, almost an alarmist perspective. Be careful, be weary, you know, guard your heart, protect your life, dangerous things can happen. Uh, and, and I understand where they're coming from when they're talking about that, but let's read the Scripture for the, what the Scripture is really trying to reveal and get the true context of what is taking place. And it said, guard your heart, Above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. Did you know that good habits are as easy to form as bad habits are? 
I mean, we don't hear that type of conversation, but when we look at the context of this verse, it's talking about the wellspring of life, not the wellspring of death. So let's read the verse in the contextual understanding of how to cultivate the wellspring of life. And I've learned over the course of years through various uh, studies and research on New Year's resolutions and, and how to really, you know, improve myself. I'm always a person that's wanting to learn and, and, and constantly address things in my life. Tracy's had to help talk me down a little bit because in our marriage, in the early years especially, I was evaluating. I wanted to do a, all right, there we kiss. Let's do a post-kissing evaluation. How was that? Do you prefer the top lip, bottom lip, too pucker, too soft? I mean, was it a little too, too moist, too dry? You know what? I mean, we, I, we just, I was constantly, and I'm, I'm being a little facetious, but not much. <laughs> and so, I mean, it'd be this constant ongoing evaluation. Let's get this right. Let's get this right. This is, you know, this is the kingdom of God. There are eternal things at stake, and our marriage has to be right. And if we're not, you know, doing the marriage right, then the kingdom of God might suffer. And, I mean, it was just like, calm down just so crazy. I, I'm, uh, you know, there's just this thing in me that drives to, to make things. I'm so passionate, and, and, and that's a healthy thing in some respects, but we have to understand if we're not careful, we take an alarmist approach to the beautiful things of God, and they lose their value of beauty so easily. And this whole thing of uh, when I started evaluating how to make, you know, good habits, what I learned was in a New Year's resolution, how many of you remember the New Year's resolutions you made this year going into the year? Some of you don't even remember what they, what they were, let alone fulfill them, right? Uh, and so this is what we, what we know from lots and lots of research. You are much more effective at in, introducing something good to displace something bad than just simply trying to quit a bad habit. You understand what I'm saying? If you put something good in the place of something bad, then you have something to devote yourself to that's actually good and bad doesn't seem to have a hold. But if you just focus on, oh, that's bad. I wish I didn't do that. I wish I... You're giving it power because you're rehearsing it and you're magnifying it and you're focusing on it. So just kind of let go of those things by putting your hands to work at the things you really should be devoting yourself toward. So when we start looking at the context of this verse, that's really the essence of what God is revealing. He gave us this incredible capacity within our heart to produce amazing things in our life. God gave you incredible capacity in your life to produce phenomenal things that are born from your heart if you'll get the right things in your heart. You have to understand, this is why the Scripture says it is the wellspring. It's in your blank there. It's the wellspring of life, not the wellspring of death. This is, your heart is the wellspring of life. I started kind of looking into this to see, you know, the Bible wasn't written in English. And, and just, just a nugget to toss out there, translations have their limitations. If you're married to a particular translation, and that's the only translation you think is the sacred translation, I don't care what it is. Um, you're very limited in your perspective of what the Bible has to say. The Bible wasn't written in English, and all translations have certain limitations when you're looking at the original expression. So many translations help you get a more clear picture of what's truly being said. And so I looked at the Hebrew phrase that translates uh, out of the, uh, this whole thing in regard to the wellspring of life, and this is, this is the way it literally translates. Fr from the heart are the outflowings or the outgoings of life. From the heart are the outflowings or the outgoings of life. Most translations say, 
for from it are the springs of life. Here's the picture that the Hebrew language is revealing. The, the Hebrew language is fascinating. I'm not a Hebrew scholar. I read things about it, and, and a lot of people provide a lot of information that's very helpful, and if you know who you're reading, then you can know you can trust the content. And so there are various individuals that I look to for this, but here's the picture that this paints for us to see, that the heart is like the stream, like a river that continually flows out of our lives into the lives of those we come into contact with. The Holy Spirit's wanting to speak as I'm talking to you today. Like there's a conversation God's trying to have with you even as I make that statement. He's suddenly causing you to think about the people you've surrounded yourself with who out of their life is a stream, a river flowing to you that's impacting you. How many of you know your friends really do affect your future? It is really important that you surround yourself with people who are in love with Jesus, hungry for God, really want to go for all that God has in store. That helps awaken things within you, and then you begin to awaken those things within in the lives of others. What gets in you can't help but come out of you by design. You know, I, I, uh, I've shared this story. It's just the grossest story. I'm sorry you'll Hopefully forget it by the time you eat lunch. Second service will have to endure. It'll be fresh memory of theirs. But uh, I, you know, I, I started taking these martial arts classes, and I was a you know, teenager just trying to be a stud, and, and, uh, and, and I started, we went to these competitions, and I started doing pretty well, and I was like Captain Karate Man. I suddenly, I was everything about karate, you know, uh, and so I would like, uh, I know it's crazy, but everything I would do, if I wanted to pick up a bottle of water, what I learned when you compete in martial arts is you always exhale when you extend a kick or a punch, and the reason you do that is so you don't have air in your lungs in case you get punched because if you have air in your lungs and you get punched it hurts really bad and you know how they get you to exhale whenever you kick or punch they make you say a karate sound you know what that is right how, how am I doing? Uh, you know, I, I mean, you get, you start doing, and, and, and so I, I would, I was practicing this all the time. I'd pick up my water, and I would walk over there. Yeah! I mean, everything I would do, I would answer the phone. I mean, everything I would do, and I was out in the back area where the, and I worked in a newspaper office, and and, the, and these big tall things of paper, and I walked out there one day, and I'm telling you, I shot myself. Uh, a, a, a cockroach the size of a small sparrow <laughs> fluttered down. I didn't even know cockroaches could flutter. They can't particularly fly, but they can flutter. Like they can't take off, but they can land really well. And so I came out and this thing down. And I, I mean, I literally thought a bird flew by me. It was a big, I know I'm exaggerating a little bit, but my memory just keeps expanding. This cockroach was, you know, and, and so there he was crawling and I thought I could put a saddle on that thing and ride it, you know, and, and can't do that really. And so I, I watched it I, and I, I thought, to myself, I'm not going to let this, co- I mean, this kid eat a small child. I'm going to have to kill this cockroach and save humanity, you know, and naturally my karate instincts started kicking in and I look over some guys have been, you know, doing some concrete and, and using a trowel to, to, to flatten out this concrete. And so I got the trial in my hand. Now I had a weapon. I was going to kill this. this and, and so I get down there and I'm on my hands and knees going toward this cockroach. And when I, when I started to get him, he you know, turned around and started walking away. And when he was walking away, I did what any good karate person would do. I attacked from the rear. I had a long enough arm. I reached past him and went, Kya! and when I said, Kya, my mouth opened like this. 
And the, the large cockroach pieces were in my teeth. Yeah, and I, I went to the, the, the lounge, and I liked to all, all, rinse it all out. And I thought, oh, no throw up. Don't throw up. I'm good. I'm good. And I closed my mouth, and it crunched in my teeth. I, what are you going to have for lunch today? <laughs> Maybe nothing now, huh? I had so much of an obsession for the martial arts that it came out of me in everything that I was doing. Everything I did. I mean, it was really crazy how cheerleaders, they get into cheer in our school and like everything is, what's your piece? Pass me the salt. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just crazy how oh, whatever you get into is going to get in you. You, you, you get it? Whatever you get into is going to, you, this is just a natural design by God. Guard your heart because what gets in you shows up in your life because it's the wellspring of life and out of you is flowing a stream that's actually being impacted by what you're processing in your spirit. Here's the beautiful thing. When you start to understand you're designed by God, you understand that when you get God's word in you, then you will begin to produce life and you will begin to produce strength. When you get God's goodness in you, it will begin to awaken compassion and it will begin to awaken Kindness. And when you get God's presence in you, it awakens shalom in the earth. You were created by God to process what he is releasing into your life so that you're producing what he's releasing into your world. There is a fountain springing up within you that influences the world around you, and it's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful thing. It's a blank. Did you write that in? People ask me all the time after service. What, what, I didn't get the blank. Make sure you get the blank. Revoke your membership card if you don't get the blank. There's a fountain springing up within you that influences the world around you, and it's a wonderful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Jesus said in John chapter 4, verse 13 to 14, Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Now I get the contextual understanding of what we were reading about in Proverbs when I understand that the Scripture reveals there's a fountain that is within us that God wants to awaken. Guard your heart. Process what you need to process so you produce what God's called you to produce. God begins to awaken things within us to transform the world around us. We can say it a lot of ways, but God wants to get in your life at the center, at the core. He doesn't want to be fringe. He doesn't want to be peripheral. You're going to produce all kinds of things causing you to malfunction in life. If you don't get him at the center, you were not created by God to let him be fringe. You were created by God that he would be right at the core of your life. God's abilities can be awakened within us to cause the world around us to flourish. It's our 2018 word, flourish. Everybody shout flourish. Come on, our world is flourishing because God is awaking things within us. 
Right now, all of our youth leaders and youth students are here. They packed in here for our 9 o'clock pre-service rally where we just gather and pray, and they were all lined up here in the front. Right now, they are over in the kids' ministry area ministering to our children. There is something powerful about our children, not just hearing from the adults, but hearing from the age group that's between the adult and the child so that they see an on-ramp to how to become what God's called them to become. And we release right now over in that area what is awakening in the heart of our youth is being imparted into the lives of our children that will be awakened in the lives of our children and imparted to the life of their world. Come on, let's just clap it in. Let's just declare it today. God wants to awaken something in the world today. We are a part. I heard about this guy last week. A multimillionaire had worked and, and accomplished so much, and things went totally south. And in the course of 18 months, he lost everything. $50 million in 18 months. What would it be like to have $50 million to lose? <laughs> I, I don't know. But he lost everything, $50 million in eight month, 18 months. Interestingly, within one year, he'd gained it all back. You know why? Because they can take everything you have away from you, but they cannot take who you are away from who you are. You are who you are. What he had when he started and cultivated $50 million net worth, he still had, even after he lost $50 million of what he had created, it was still there within him. They might have taken everything away. They couldn't take that away. Not only did he have what he had when he created the wealth in the first place, but he also had what he gained by learning how to create the wealth through the process of making the wealth in the course of time. So he's actually better off, and who he was was enough to do this thing again. Now, I don't know what you've lost. I don't know what you've suffered. I don't know what you're frustrated about right now, but it's not about what you had. It's not about what you lost. It's about who you are, and it's about God awakening something within you that will transform the world around you powerfully, powerfully, powerfully. Powerfully. God created you to be the type of person that can be dropped into a business and have a job given to you, and you then begin to cause that business to flourish because you are a mighty man or woman of God. You carry something within you from heaven that transforms the world that you've been deposited in. God, has you are the type of person that can be deposited in a relationship, and as you surrender to Christ, as you surrender to Christ that relationship begins to flourish. I say it all the time. I reference it over and over. It is an absolute truth. If you have suffered divorce, you know this better than anybody. There is nothing more painful than two selfish people in a relationship. There is nothing more beautiful than two servants in love. When two people decide to surrender themselves to the cross of Jesus Christ and stop trying to make the other person who they want them to be, and rather they start trying to be the person the other person needs, that becomes a beautiful relationship that begins to flourish. Jesus has to be the center of everything that I'm talking to you about. Only Jesus can help you get there. Only Jesus can introduce you to a cross that will cause you to die to your selfish demands, and we all have them. Thank God Tracy survived them. 
coming from me in our early years, which I was describing. You know why I was so, so given and so driven to make our marriage right? Because I wanted her to be the right person. I knew I needed to work on her. I mean, train up a wife in the way she should go. <laughs> Anybody have a spare room? The, the sad thing is there's truth in what I'm saying, and we did have to survive that season in our lives. We've actually been in Dallas this weekend and spoke at a marriage summit there, and, and, and I, I was thinking on the drive back how thankful I am for our 28 years of relationship and how painful those early years were as God was knocking the rough edges off. I listened to Tracy as she was talking to somebody while we were there. And she said, you know, I brought such dysfunction into our marriage. Lawrence brought such dysfunction into our marriage. How many of you know we all bring dysfunction into every relationship that we ever come into? But Jesus gets in the mix, and he begins to awaken things within us to transform our lives and transform the world around us. And the more we become like Jesus, the more our lives will begin to flourish. Some people in this room right now need to allow some selfish desires to die. So, so this isn't the script this morning, but I'm just going to ask Pat if you'll come. I just believe God wants to immediately right now crucify some selfish desires to the cross of Jesus Christ. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition in relationships. Selfish ambition in the workplace. Selfish ambition in ministry. Selfish ambition in things that can appear to be so justifiable. <clears throat> That's called a stronghold. When you begin to have the capacity to justify your selfish pursuit, you have deceived yourself into becoming a person that's creating chaos and disorder in your world, and you justify every step of the way. I just know I'm speaking by the Spirit of God on this prayer and prophetic Sunday. God's wanting to have a conversation with us. God is wanting to have a conversation with us. God is wanting to have a conversation with us. So Lord, we just invite you. So many times we reduce our relationship with Jesus to some meaningless religious expression. That is not the God we serve. He's alive. He is alive. He is alive. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, I recently uh, <clears throat> found this video testimony, and I posted it on Facebook from years ago, and we were ministering in a church in England on a Sunday, and just like what just happened, happened. I, I'm, I'm not finished with my message. I may get back to it. We'll see. 
Uh, but suddenly God just wanted to interrupt the conversation. And, and it was a moment just like this. And Godfrey Bertel was the worship leader that morning, and he got up and began to play, and we just began to pray. And I, I made the statement, I, I really hear the Holy Spirit saying in this moment of prayer together as a church family, if the church will pray, bombs will not explode. It was really remarkable because that was Sunday, and on Tuesday, they began to report that they had found uh, 11 bombs, I think, in London that didn't detonate. I don't know how many people were praying that very prayer. How many of you know God uses the whole body of Christ? Um, so it's not like we've cornered the market on this. That just ought to be the way we normally live. I'm, I'm astonished at the things that people know by the Spirit of God. I mean, I, I'm not interested in trying to get a group of people in here to make them religious. I'm really interested in our becoming the disciples of the living Christ that He's called us to be, with an ear tuned to Him and a heart inclined to Him. We're not always going to get it right, but I do believe God wants to speak some things to us, to awaken some things within us, to transform the world around us, and to cause our world to flourish, to cause our world to flourish. What gets in you, you can't help. It will come out of you by God's design. I want to say it again. God's Word gets in you. It will produce life and strength. Lord, we just receive the fact that Your Word will produce life and strength when we embrace Your Word, when we read Your Word, when we rehearse Your Word, when we memorize Your Word. Thank You, Lord, for Your goodness. God's goodness, when it gets within us, begins to produce an amazing compassion, an amazing kindness. Can you imagine what it is to experience kindness and compassion on a, a supernatural level that doesn't even belong to you. I just want you to know you're not capable of being compassionate and kind without Him because of the fall of humanity. You have to be awakened by Him, and then He begins to orchestrate those things deep within your heart, causing you to become the wonderful person He's created you to be. So, Lord, help us to process the things that we need to process. You know, when God's presence, we believe God's presence is for real life. That's why each week we want to focus in on an action point so that we carry what we experience in here, God's presence, into real life. That's why you see a GP2RL on the bottom of your card because we want to commission you to carry God's presence into real life. 